Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and before we begin today's incredible show, I want to share an upcoming program I am launching in mid-March, which could be exactly what you're looking for to take your life in every way to a completely new level. You see, over the last year, I have received more requests for personal coaching in the areas of creating optimal health experiencing transformational breakthroughs, and reaching one's highest potential in life than ever before. The coaching work I have done over this last year has been exceptionally powerful, and the results my clients have received has truly and profoundly blown me away, to say the least. As I have deepened my work with my one-on-one clients, I realized there was a major limit to the amount of highly dedicated individuals I could serve and support through this work. Because of this, I decided to create a highly specialized group coaching model that would foster an exclusive, highly supportive, and co-creative environment that helps each person reach their ultimate goals in life and highest expression of vibrant health. This is an eight-week experience called the Breakthrough Transformation Program, and it's designed to ensure each participant receives all of the support, information, and practical tools necessary to reach a place in their holistic life they never knew was possible. I will be personally taking a group of 20 people every week through a deep learning curve into the unexplored potential and helping them to accelerate the integrative process of self-mastery. This program will focus on specific areas such as creating invincible health strategies, cutting-edge nutrition strategies, emotional and mental mastery, overriding poverty consciousness with prosperity consciousness, accelerating learning modalities, becoming a truly empowered leader, and building a successful coaching slash service-based business, and trust me when I say so, so much more than that. This program also will include a three-day live event, which is going to be following the online coaching program and an opportunity to join me for a private Hawaii immersion experience. This program officially begins March 15th and will only be open to the first 20 people who register. So in order to discover if this one-of-a-kind coaching opportunity is the correct fit for you and your goals, please shoot me a quick message at Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, at HolisticHealthMastery.com. 
Again, that's Ronnie at HolisticHealthMastery.com. I'll respond back to you, um, and then we will carry the conversation on from there. So delving into today's episode, I'm bringing on my friend Rachel Horton-White, who is an intuitive, soulful coach, as she calls it, and she's she helps people really tap into their intuitive wisdom, their creative expression, and help people get on with the business of their life and do it in a health-conscious way, in a way that supports whatever creative modality or expression that somebody might feel blocked in and how to express more of who they are, how to get more authentic, right? How to tap into that that state of intuitive creativity or genius and bring that out for the world to see, so to speak, right? And this interview was really, really fantastic. We touched on a lot of different things. One of the things that we touched on early on in the interview was this idea of the inner critic. And this is a very common thing. Everybody deals with it, even if we don't want to acknowledge that. We all have secret fears. We all feel like we're a fraud at sometimes. You know, there's this inner self saboteur that basically finds any which way to sabotage our potential, to sabotage our creativity, to sabotage our ability to simply show up in the world and play a bigger game, play a game that we know that we deserve to be playing on a bigger stage, and yet we hold ourselves back because of the fears, doubts, and concerns that we have um, in our mind. And so that I found really useful, and I think that That's a great kind of segue in the beginning of our interview for everything that we talked about after that. So I'll leave you with that. You're going to really enjoy this this conversation between me and Rachel White. It's a really great one, and it really taps into some deep areas of really finding your inner creativity and and really uh, suffocating the voice of the inner critic and bringing in the voice of your higher expression, if you will, the more authentic voice that wants you to succeed. And uh, yeah, so really good interview. Enjoy this conversation between me and Rachel Horton-White. A spiritual teacher, practitioner, and coach, Rachel Horton-White supports those searching for true purpose and fulfillment in their lives through her business, soulful work, intuitive consulting, along with intuitive guidance sessions. Rachel offers interactive online courses, a podcast of interviews with inspirational figures, and meditation classes, which with a bachelor's degree in English from Wellesley College and a master's degree in public administration from the University of Georgia, Rachel's true education as a young person came from studying abroad in Ducker, Senegal, and teaching English in Guadalajara, Mexico. Rachel is also an amateur dream analyzer, piano player, traveler, outdoor enthusiast, 
tarot reader, yogi, and writer-painter of sorts. Her most important and blessed roles of all came as wife to an incredible man and mother, guide and pal to two energetic, bright-eyed young children in Portland, Maine. Rachel works towards a vision of a world with people aligned with who they really are, listening to their own inner wisdom and sharing love with each other, with animals, and with the planet for the collective healing and evolved consciousness. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What a great bio. You're obviously a multi-talented individual, a lot of different interests, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of deep education and a diversity of education. So I think that this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, well, I'm excited about it. Yeah. So the first thing is, how did you first get be how did you first become interested in the work that you do now? Well, it's, as with everything, it was a very intuitive kind of roundabout process. Um, But starting from, as many people say, um, a young age, I would regularly have dreams that would come true in real life. And um, so I always had an interest in that and trying to understand what that was all about. Um, and then, you know, I remember doing a report <laughs> when I was in middle school on ESP and really being fascinated with that. Um, so just for everyone listening, ESP being extrasensory perception, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. That, at the time, that's what people were talking about was ESP, extrasensory perception, right? Um, and um, so then, you know, over the years, as I got older, I, um, you know, kind of moved away from I was always interested in spirituality, but I was brought up in a traditional, you know, church and kind of um, had some negative experiences and moved away from, I I kind of associated religion with spirituality, so I kind of pushed it away. And it wasn't until um, some, you know, some uh, challenging experiences in my life that I started um, just realizing there was something else, that there really was something else out there beyond myself. And, um, and so started practicing, um, meditation. It was actually through a, a breakup of a relationship that was this painful, you know, year of grieving, um, that I started really exploring more about Buddhism, Shabala Buddhism in particular, and, um, just to kind of cope with every day <laughs> instead of, you know, drinking a bottle of wine every night or something, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. Not that I did that regularly, but I definitely uh, did that for, you know, a week or two. Um, (laughs) And um, this was about 10 years ago. So that was kind of like the first phase, I guess. And then recently it was um, when I was just kind of really unhappy in my career in nonprofits. Um, Yeah, I say really unhappy, but just really feeling stuck that I um, decided to hire a professional coach. And so, again, um, I went through this renewed process of – getting back into more, more, doing more meditation. I had just had two children. And so of course, as much as I love my children, I hadn't been doing that when they were young. Um, and they still are, but so it was really most recently about a year ago that I started, um, through, you know, meditation, through tapping into guidance, higher guidance beyond myself that I started, um, trying out different things and decided I really wanted to try to do tarot readings with people with the encouragement of my former coach. And then, um, 
tried out coaching, you know, some would call it life coaching, but it's a little more than that. So I still do that now. And now I'm really, um, kind of embracing more of the intuitive side. And, um, we just took a mediumship class this weekend and kind of, um, allowing myself to trust and to not doubt and, um, to use some of the divine source, the wisdom from a divine source to really try to help people. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at now. <laughs> Very cool. And um, have you has how has your your kind of health practices and lifestyle routines shifted mm-hmm. along with with this journey? Well, I've always um, you know I was raised I was lucky to be raised by parents who believed in healthy food. I was well, I was that kid that had like the weird you know liverwurst sandwiches with tomato juice and carrots and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all the kids, all the other kids had like fluffernutter and fruit punch. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, so I've, all, I, and you know, I, so I've always been a relatively healthy eater, but I was, um, it's interesting, you know, I was vegetarian for a while. And then when I had my children, I decided I was going to eat some more meat. Um, and now, um, I think, you know, food wise, I have a balance. I, I feel, I feel pretty good about where I'm at now. I definitely, you know, I do sometimes have wine and I sometimes have French fries, you know, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's like, for me, it's, it's like when I'm living in a high vibration, which I try to do, I just don't crave things like French fries as much, you know, or I don't want, um, you know, don't ever really go to get fast food that much. But, um, but so the food, I think, you know, to be honest, I still want to eat healthier than I do now. I eat pretty healthy, but I think with kids, I kind of tend to get back into the not always, you know, a little bit more processed than I would like sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, but I try to, um, you know, do yoga regularly, um, exercise regularly, you know. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's it goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. as I know you said yourself. So. Cool. Yeah. And that's, that's always a work in progress. So that's, that's always interesting to see how different, different parallels of people's lives kind of line up as they have their own awakening. They, they kind of upgrade their perspective. They find out there's more to the world and to the universe than they necessarily thought there was before. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That was the case for me. So, so how do you define soulful, intuitive coaching? Mm, That's a good question. Well, the word soulful actually came to me when I was in my, you know, former career. I was in the modern workplace and, you know, working not totally nine to five, but mostly that. And I just would go about my days, go to meetings and observe people in different workplaces I would go to. And just, you know, I would constantly be thinking, where's the soul? <laughs> what happened to the soul in the, in this? We all have souls. So how are we not expressing them? Um, and so I really was originally focused on what I had been uh, getting out of a pattern that I had been in for my li- in my life for a while, which was jobs that I was not fulfilled in. And before that, um, it was relationships I wasn't fulfilled in. <laughs> so, you know, I broke the pattern of the relationships and then it was moving on to my career and my jobs. And so soulful work really came about. It was, um, actually after this conference I went to, I was driving home and, you know, I, I was like soulful work. Well, and work is kind of, um, the work I do in my life now. So it touches on that and also touches on the modern workplace is just one place where people are, um, a lot of people are suffering still not as much anymore, but more and more. And so then the intuitive consulting piece was, um, 
my way of kind of blending two sides of um, how I operate and how I see the world too, the metaphysical spiritual side and then the, you know, the practical and mundane side. And so the intuitive is clearly, you know, that um, right brained, you know, feminine aspect of me and um, of accessing guidance beyond myself. And then the consulting side is, you know, the word that many in the, the everyday practical, um, world would see as, oh, that's something more, you know, a little more concrete. I understand what that means. And that's a little more, um, you know, left brained, I guess. Um, so I kind of, I chose those, um, to, as a kind of a juxtaposition of the, you know, the duality that I think we, a lot of us are experiencing and then the yin and the yang, um, that really exists everywhere. Mm, Interesting. Mm, Yeah. So, what are some of the things you see your clients having as big challenges with accessing their creativity, for example? Oh, well, the number one um, thing that there are two things that I will tell my clients when I when I when people will say, you know, what how can I start or what are things I can do? The first thing I will talk about is meditation, but I actually don't use that word. I, I do use it, but I try to, I try to tell, call it, uh, quieting the mind to people because I think in our modern world, you know, we, we, we hear about meditation all the time and we read about it. And, but to, to many people, the word itself, they have a lot of associations with, and, and they, you know, a lot of people think, well, I've tried meditation. It doesn't work for me. Or they think they have to sit in front of the you know, shrine for an hour every day and that's meditation. And when really it's just, you know, tapping into your inner self, which your breath, which we all have and letting go of thoughts and trying to, um, access your, your true nature. Um, so there's, and I can go into that a lot more, but there's that. But then the other piece of, in terms of the creativity barrier to creativity is, um, there's many different ways to call it, you know, the ego mind, the negative self chatter and, from what I had studied a little bit is something called coactive coaching. Um, there is something called the inner critic, the voice of the inner critic or inner critics, because Mm. we have many of them, which, um, you know, often comes up and tells us things like, you know, why are you want to, what makes you think you could paint because you're not very good at it. Or, you know, somebody else has already started a business like yours, so don't try it. Or, you know, Mm. why are you going to teach yoga? Cause nobody's going to, you know, want to listen to you, (laughs) all these things that, come up that, um, often hold people back from exploring new areas of growth where they could really blossom. And I think there's so many different ways to call it, but another, another term, another phrase I use is just, you know, the mean crowd of fears, doubts, and worries. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I call it the mean crowd because it's like in your middle school and you have like a clique of kids or bullies that like is telling you things, you know, or getting, you know, trying to get at you. And, and there's usually a pack leader, you know, one that's stronger than the rest. And it's like, it comes up, you know, about it's related to a fear of some kind of a fear of failure, a fear of success, fear of being disliked, a fear of being seen, you know, it goes on and on. And, um, and so the work that I do with, with people I work with, with clients is, using different tools. Um, some, I like to do obviously quieting the mind, you know, I do some guided meditations on my podcast, um, and in live with people and to kind of get into the subconscious about some of the pre-existing, you know, beliefs or stories that people held, you know, you talked about this as well. And they're, 
from their childhood, often from their past or from experiences they've had. And then, um, and then tools such like writing. So writing reflections about, you know, where, what is the story that I'm currently telling myself or I'm hearing a lot in my head? And is that a story that is really true for me? And, uh, where did it come from? You know, really diving deep and exploring that. Um, and, you know, um, you know, kind of saying like, I'm going to no longer choose to believe this story. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's not easy, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of like, sometimes help from somebody else. Um, you know, quieting the mind as much as possible to separate from that negative ego chatter, inner critic voice. Um, and then the writing part of it, I like to say, I like to I talk about writing a lot. I personally write, but there's something about with when you write with your hand on a piece of paper, it's like, it gets it out of you. And it's like, you're sub, you're channeling your subconscious, you know, and putting it out, out there. And is you see it in a different way and it becomes something that's not, it's not who you are. It's something that is your hearing and your mind. Yes, it is part of you in a sense, but it's not who you are at your core. If that makes any sense. And so when people do that, all these processes, it's a constant ongoing process, as you know, um, you know, it's like, I liken it to like, you learn a foreign language and if you don't practice it, you'll get rusty. So it's a constant thing of quieting the mind and really figuring out what, listening to what that inner critic is saying, identifying it, um, to the, you know, the, the negative things you're hearing in your head that might be holding you back and to just saying, okay, I first identify it. I see it's there. And now I'm going to do my best to, um, to push it aside, you know, to step past it and, and, and push into this creative area or to this area of excitement and growth and maybe fear, good fear, because fear never goes away. Right. Um, and do it anyway. So, um, so that's most of what I do with, with people. And it is, um, it's amazing to watch when people, um, work through it and, you know, start to break through some of those initial, um, barriers, I guess is a good phrase for it and, um, start to step into the flow of what, mm-hmm. of what their true inner self wants for them. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to witness. Mm, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many incredible things that, that came up through that, you know, I, I think of like the power of trusting ourselves. Yes. You know, and, and getting back into connection with a sense of, self-trust and self-worthiness and and increasing our deservability Mm -hmm. and I think that's a huge issue that people struggle with like really all across the board is that they don't feel worthy they don't feel like they deserve to be the kind of person that they want to be or to have the relationship or have the health have the body have the things that they want that would enhance their life um, there's some kind of like worthiness issue that I've seen. Have you, have you seen yeah. the same thing? Definitely. Definitely. And it comes up, you know, recently money, you know, with money. Um, and I personally have had to work through my own money blockages. You know, it's like, I know you, you said this yourself, um, that I do the work I do with people is often the work that I've done in my own. It is the work I've done in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yes, I think the worthiness so much, especially for women, Um, you know, there's like, for me as a woman and a slight introvert and a little more introverted than extroverted, um, you know, the fear of being seen, of being, um, taken seriously, (laughs) 
of not being told I was crazy, you know, <laughs> um, credible, like all those things. And I'm just feeling like worthy, you know, wor- am I worthy of this work? Uh, who am I, you know, who, who do I think I am? You know, it's like <laughs> that for me comes up and I share it openly because I think it's so important that we open up about what we're all experiencing. And, um, and I see that with people I work with too, that it's, um, yeah, definitely, a, a, you know, well, somebody else has already done this. So why should I do it? They've probably done it better. And, you know, um, and then, you know, am I really, is it something that actually somebody would want to pay me for? <laughs> you know, I never would have dreamed that somebody would, I would eventually, you know, make this, what I'm doing a career, you know, I never would have. Um, so I think it, it is so, you know, how do you work through that? You know, the worthiness, it's a constant practice it gets easier the more you do it and you you learn to work through it a little more but um i think it takes really diving in deep and really exploring like what was i told maybe when i was five (laughs) by a teacher by a coach Mm -hmm. often a parent you know or somebody in my life maybe another kid or what did i experience sometimes it's trauma unfortunately you know or what what are these things that I'm holding with me still? Sometimes it's adolescence, sometimes it's adulthood. There's, I, I recently had things, something, you know, that I that I realized I'd been carrying with me that that from my 20s, you know, which wasn't really that long ago, you know. So it was, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Um, but it built, it was had built built on child, you know, childhood. So anyway, I think it's you know really being willing for people to be willing to dive in deep and really explore the things that uh they've subconsciously that we all subconsciously carry and um that start to come out in our you know start to manifest themselves in our daily experiences and then you know it's like when we're like this is not i just don't think this is working for me anymore you know it's like we have sometimes have to get to that place where like i don't I just don't want to do this right like this anymore. And I'm tired of it. Mm. And, um, and to really say, okay, I'm now going to take the time and invest, so invest in myself to really dive in deep and, and break some of the patterns that I've been in, um, or that my brain is in, you know, <laughs> um, and experience a new way. And for me, it was just, so it's transformational. So i hope to bring that to other people as well, though it is definitely, you know, so it's a constant practice for me too, even though I'm doing this work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes I find that the work that I'm doing on myself is directly reflective of what's going on with my clients. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. It's so, so true. I will find that all the time. I'll like literally just have, you know, I, I will come up with tools that I'll put and I'll use for myself and I'll be like, Oh, this is great now. And then I see a client who's looking for the same thing. You know, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really, that's how the universe works. We're all connected. <laughs> yeah. It's quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's discuss, um, you have a great article on your website called when asking for help can save your life. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss that idea. I'm not totally, um, or that's a, that I should say that's a very interesting idea and I'd love to hear you expand upon that. Yeah. Well, that was based on a personal experience, um, of, and I'll just make it real quick because it could go, because it's a story, but of, um, being at the lake with my children this past summer and I was changing, 
my son into his clothes after we'd been there. And all of a sudden I look up and my daughter is gone. She's 18 months Mm. old. And I look around, I don't see her anywhere. And so I start, you know, asking people, you know, did you see her? And did you see an 18 little girl? No. And so, you know, then I started looking at the water and I, then I asked the lifeguard, did you see a little girl? No. So, you know, I started, and then I started running (laughs) and then, and so, you know, this, it, somebody found her. (laughs) I heard a voice say, we found her, you know, she had wandered down this path uh, along the edge of the lake, way into the woods. But I didn't actually know that somebody was looking for her. And I was, you know, but I think instinctively I'd ask people to help me find her. Um, because I guess, you know, I, it was all very quick, you know, instinct. I just, I couldn't, I wasn't thinking about it. You know, it was just boom, 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 whatever. But, um, I didn't know that people were helping me look for her. Maybe I, maybe I did, but, um, I decided to write an article about it because I didn't find my daughter. Somebody else did. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't asked him, I don't even want to think about what could have happened, you know, um, because I wouldn't have gone on that path. I did not even think of it. And this other man who I, I was calling my angel, for a little, you know, he's the angel <laughs> that mm-hmm. helped um, save my life and obviously saved her life, but my life too, because it makes me emotional even to think, even to think about it and talk about it now, because, you know, if, uh, you know, it just, the worst thing, you don't want the worst thing that could happen to your child. So the, I wrote, I decided, you know, just like we were saying, my own personal experience going through that harrowing, harrowing experience, you know, anytime we have something in our lives that, that is, you know, bad or scary or harrowing, there's a lesson to be learned there. And, you know, I've had enough of those experiences in my life that I will now, I'm now, you know, able to kind of reflect on it and be like, why did that happen? You know, you know, obviously I need to pay more attention <laughs> and be more present and observant of my daughter where she is, but there's something else that, I can take from this, you know, there's some other lesson to learn it, be learned. And, and for me, the, one of the big ones was asking for help. And so that article is about how in our society, I kind of expanded on it. We, you know, we're brought up in, um, United, you know, I'm American, you're American, I think. Right. And, you know, we, our country was built on individualism, you know, and, you know, every man, every, was every man at the time, every man for himself. Right. And, Mm what has that done to us, you know, like as a society in the sense that a lot of us, people are afraid to kind of reach out and ask other people for help. And, um, you know, I said this before that I would never be doing what I'm doing now, starting this business and doing intuitive work. If I hadn't had somebody else encouraging me along a guide on earth, a real person, you know, um, and I, my daughter, I might not have found her if I hadn't asked somebody else, a couple of people, if they knew where she was and I didn't even ask them to help find her. They just did it because they're just good people. But, um, so I think, you know, I kind of, you know, contrasting our society to other societies in Eastern, you know, parts of the world it, who places I lived in, you know, Senegal, West Africa, it's a communal society where people always are helping each other. Um, we live in a capitalistic society and, you know, that's, that's changing, you know, <laughs> our things is part of this great shift we're undergoing, but, I think we all, you know, would it would do us all good to uh, give ourselves permission to ask other people to help us because we all we cannot go through this life alone. And if we think we can, then we quickly begin to feel 
unhappy, mm. <laughs> lonely. And, you know, the internet is a wonderful thing in many ways because it allows people to connect virtually, but, um, but we have to get out and talk to people face to face as well. Um, and there's that energy that we get from being around another human being, that light within me, there's a light within you. We all share it. It's amplified when we're together. Um, and it uplifts us and it helps us take us to places we could never have gone if we had, if we don't reach out and connect and ask and make ourselves vulnerable and, uh, be willing to make mistakes and accept failure and keep trying a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a long, you know, answer, I guess, to that article. But, um, I think, you know, in that article it's on, it was on the elephant journal, um, which, elephantjournal.com I think it's under the family section now probably buried somewhere now but um, when asking for help can save your life and your dreams Um, but anyway that article expounds a little bit more on um, on that you know how to get through some of our fears and achieving things we want in our lives Um, Mm. so kind of you know relates to the work I do too so Mm. yeah beautiful beautiful yeah And thanks for sharing that story with us. Um, That's, you know, that's just such a powerful, powerful idea. And you're right. A lot of times we we don't ask for help and we think that we can do everything ourselves. And, yeah, no man or woman is an island. We all need each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's really bottom line, really, like what we're finding um, actually in the health field. What we're finding is that the number one predictor um, of longevity is community mm, and yeah. relationships. And so if people have really strong relationships and they have trust, support, and community, they will likely live longer mm-hmm. and happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally believe that. And it's that's why I think, you know, it's interesting. My grandfather was living, living alone for a little while. He was with my grandmother and he was okay, but his health was actually really bad. I mean, he was not actually that good. And now he lives in assisted living where it's, it's, um, like a wonderful place with people. You know, this particular place is wonderful at least, um, where there are people commuting together all the time and his health is better than it's ever been. And he's almost 90 years old. So that's a perfect example. I think of people, you know, he is with lots of other people, he spends time out. He's never in his room by himself, hardly ever. And yes, he's, you know, he's not with his family necessarily there, but we go visit him all the time. But he's, I mean, it's amazing what his, he was on his deathbed, you know, he was about to die. And then, and now he's uh, thriving. So, I mean, you know, he's old, but <laughs> thriving as well as you can at 88 years old. Wow. So, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Amazing. You're right about that. Yep. Mm. Community. So yeah. I'm curious, what um, what is your personal perspective on the definition of insanity? <laughs> I love that. Um, I just I don't know if you saw this actually because I put that in an article, but yeah, that's uh, what I'm I'm looking yeah, at. That right. actually, the definition of insanity, you know, like is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, which. I, um, my perspective on that is, you know, coming from my own life first with relationships when I would, my, you know, pattern was somehow attracting people who were good people, but who needed help. And, you know, that's fine in a sense, but 
help to the sense of extent that I felt that I needed to be the one that helped them. And so that set up kind of an unhealthy, you know, dynamic in relationships for a little while over and over again, you know? And so I kind of didn't really get it until I, you know, this point when I was ending a relationship and it was really painful and it was about a year of, you know, spending a lot of time alone and and actually doing meditation, which I mentioned earlier, but I was, I was like, all right, why I'm kind of, I think I'm in a pattern here (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I need to do something differently if I want to experience a different result. And in that case, it was a happy, you know, fulfilling long-term relationship. So I, you know, I, I decided I was going to do the work and uh, it does take work, you know? So I spent a lot of time, I would go to different meditation classes. I was living alone anyway. So it was a good time to really practice on my own. I read books, um, read when things fall apart by Pema Chodron was one of the books that really transforms my perspective. Um, but then, you know, I think, so anyway, I think that, and then I applied that to my own careers too, which I mentioned, you know, with just, I need, I can't just keep applying for jobs in the nonprofit fields because I've had gone, I'd go from job to job to job. And then I'd think it was the workplace. So I didn't like my boss, just my boss, you know, I got to find a different boss or I just got to find a different job and it'll be better then, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but then I'm like, wait a second, this is the same, you know? And it's like, that's the definition of insanity thinking that I can, I don't need to do anything myself within myself. And yes, I think there are things, you know, external things that are, not that are problematic, you know, with our modern workplace, of course. But, um, but I finally, you know, I kind of was like, all right, I, this is when I hired a professional coach to help me. Uh, I was like, well, I need to do something differently myself to expect a, a new different outcome because whatever I'm doing is not working the way I want it to work. Right. <laughs> and we can apply that to anything, you know, with, with anything in life. And I think what, what often, you know, not everybody, but a lot of us, including myself had done for years is just, you know, subconsciously or unconsciously doing the same, having the same approach over and over again. And sometimes we move or we change jobs or we get a new partner or, you know, whatever it is. And now we're like, well, why is this, why is my life the same? Why does this keep happening? Well, that's because there's some digging down deep to do and some internal work to be done that will help break the pattern. But I think we have to be willing to do that work. And, you know, I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Well, what, what does it take for somebody to be willing to do that work? Um, usually I've noticed it t- sometimes takes, it's like, it can be an incident, like a major, like an incident, like you get laid off from your job and you, my gosh, what am I going to do? In my case, it was just, you know, I, a gradual, just wearing down and somebody said, actually it was our babysitter who said to me, why I would complain about my job every day. She said, why don't you hire a coach? And I, and it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, what, what's that? You know? And, um, and then I thought about it and I this you know, I looked at the person's website. Her name was Lael Jepson, the woman I hired of She Changes. And, um, so that was really the, you know, it, it took somebody else. It took me talking to somebody. It took somebody else to kind of help wake me up to the pattern that I was in. Um, and it took me getting to that place, almost that, it was almost like, it was, it was kind of a rock bottom place, you know, in my career, my relationships, it definitely was a rock bottom place, uh, 
being just unhappy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm just worn down. I'm at, I'm at that place where I just, I realize that everything I've tried everything else. It's not working. It's not, I'm not having different results. So it's time for a different approach. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what I do now <laughs> is, you know, work with people on and people who are ready, you know, with a little nudging, gentle nudging to, um, to be open, to learn, to learn and to be open to, and to apply a different approach. Mm-hmm. their lives and our life, all of our lives that's great that's really great um what what are like based on all the the people that you've worked with and what you've seen what are a few like really easy to apply techniques that or strategies that you've come across to help a lot of people um well i mentioned it a little bit before the quieting the mind and the inner critic writing tools and writing reflections. But I think, um, so some of those, some of them are actually like tools, you know, like writing, like I've mentioned that several times, but Mm -hmm. written tools. Um, you know, I work with people in different ways. So I work with people individually in person and, also do online courses so people can take an online course and then they can check in with me through video individual work by you know video chat but it so it depends on the person honestly that's what i'm getting at is that some people are um if they're really really stuck i think they would bet they need i was this way that was me a person somebody else to help motivate and encourage and encourage you along and my and so what I do with, with some people is I maintain contact with them regularly, you know. So they will we'll meet and we'll talk about these tools. We'll talk about quieting the mind, but then we literally will walk through, you know. Okay, you're good. You want to meditate tomorrow, or you want to quiet your mind tomorrow morning? Like, where are you going to do that? You know, are you and what time and how, for how long? What are some of the bears going to come up? You know, your dog might bark or your children wake up. Okay, so can you do another different time? You know, like we literally get very detailed and walk walk through these different steps. So. It, kind of takes it from the theoretical, yeah, I want to do that. I want to meditate three times a week to like the practical, you know, everyday strategies. And so I think, so that's a piece of it is, you know, the getting to the everyday moment to moment, um, strategies for transferring some of the theoretical information about, you know, I want to, you know, practice i want to have this come about in my life more like i want to practice meditation more i want to quiet my mind more i want to move past my fears more but then when it comes when the rubber hits the road you know when you're like in that meeting with your boss and you're getting really angry or you're like in a dispute with your partner and you know that's when it that's when the test is right when it's like Mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna try to tap into my tools i've been working on and identify like i'm feeling really angry right now i'm feeling stressed right now i'm gonna try to quiet my mind i'm gonna try to use my breath you know it's like working with people on some of those small moments. And, um, and so, yeah, through the co- for, through coaching, that's much, I'm much more able to, so I, I don't want to call it handholding, but to work with people a much more regular intensive basis. And, um, but with people who are, you know, feeling like they have, they're not totally stuck. They're relatively, they're okay with how their life is going, but they, but as everybody, they have some areas they want to um, that they're stuck. They are stuck in, and so those people are the ones who might take online courses and um, meet with me just every month, you know, for a half hour, um, 
by Skype or, you know, whatever it is, maybe in person, but, or do individual stuff just every now and then. But I think, um, that's because they have their own tools. They, they have some things they already practice. They have some practices they use in their life on an everyday level already. So they, they are able to kind of work through those, you know, the fears, the doubts and the worries and a critic a little mm-hmm. better, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I think, um, but I think, you know, one of the things along with the quieting the mind and working through the inner critic voices and, and fears, um, as I said, is these practical everyday tools. So it's not enough to just say, I'm going to, you know, if this is what I experienced. Like I would go to yoga for an hour and feel great, you know, and then, you know, 10 minutes of Shavasana meditation. Then I, you know, get up the next morning, go to work and just be stressed out all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that's not, this is not working for me. You know, something's wrong here. And so I did, you know, I think I will say to people, it doesn't mean that you need to like quit your job and, you know, become a full-time painter or something. Although some people, that is their truth, but, but it's like, what are strategies you can use so you carry it from you know the mat or the cushion you know you carry it from your relaxing time your time of relaxation over to your everyday life so you know i'll say to clients like when you're driving try to focus on your breath when you're standing in line in the supermarket try to you know quiet your mind then too and do it every little moment you can because you're effectively kind of rewiring your brain mm-hmm. so it starts to align with that part of yourself that part of your brain which is where your intuition lies your higher self lies your true inner self lies and that's what will guide you in what's right for you in your life in every decision in every moment and versus the ego mind which is what our everyday society fuels most of the time you know with media and all the chatter that especially right now so yeah um, so yeah, I think it's really that's that was kind of my main mission when I started doing this work, soulful work, intuitive consulting work, was that I had noticed that in the spiritual uh, realm where I had been for a while, there was something missing, which was applying it to everyday situations, you know, and how, may, how helping people cross that bridge and you know view that and, and realize that actually. You know, in the, this meeting I'm having with my boss and a couple other people from this couple agencies or whatever it is, several companies, this can be a spiritual thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can implement my, I can use some of the tools I have in this moment right now. I can focus on my breath. I can, you know, I sometimes will tell people to put their forefinger and their thumb together. My our babysitter, Liz Colburn, do a little shout out to her. She told me about this, put your, you know, it's like a hand mudra, like instantly it's calming. You put in, you know, you put your forefinger and your thumb together and it forms a circle. And I'm doing it right now. And it just, something about it calms you. It's like that cycle. So anyway, like sometimes it's just little tools like that, that people can, um, you know, combine with all the other work. Uh, and, but they can, implement them in their in small mundane seemingly insignificant situations because every moment counts mm. <laughs> every decision we make counts i'm reading this book um, called the slight edge which actually seth told me about seth krasansky who connected us um by jeff olson and he talks about that that every we don't necessarily you know we got we can take pressure off ourselves of course it's not like we gotta go around thinking everything we do matters in the grand scheme of things but um, but it kind of does, you know what I mean? It's like, it does and it doesn't. So, you know, you decide you're going to go, uh, you're going to watch TV for two hours tonight. 
Yeah. Or are you going to practice quieting your mind and then maybe read um, a book that will help further you in your where you want to go? You know what I mean? So those little decisions sometimes mm-hmm. really matter too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very, very well shared. A lot of great, <laughs> great nuggets of wisdom there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last thing I want to dive into with you, <clears throat> excuse me, how important do you feel it is for people to really dive into their fear and like mm-hmm. to explore what it is that they're afraid of instead of maybe kind of avoiding it? Well, it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think, I think it's, um, it does, the person needs to be ready. Um, although having said that, I think, you know, our ego mind will often jump in and say, there's, it's not the right time. You know, now's about the time you're not ready. And the answer to that is, well, there is never a perfect time to do this work. There's never a perfect time to explore your fears or not explore your fears. But I think, um, what happens when we avoid anything, especially fears or emotions, it's often comes up with, we avoid emotions in our lives. Um, they don't go away. You know, they're always there. They will just come out in weird ways and we'll experience it. We'll experience them as something, you know, sometimes physically in our body through sickness or just other stuck energy, um, or, you know, conflicts with people in our lives, um, or just, you know, holding, holding yourself back in your life. If it's a fear of, you know, failure, say, um, or even a fear of success, which they go kind of hand in hand sometimes. But, um, I think what I, you know, somebody I, I tend to follow sometimes, you know, Tony Robbins, (laughs) Tony Robbins, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, Mm -hmm. Seth Godin, Jonathan Fields, there's some people I really like what they say. And, um, something I've learned, I can't remember who said it, but, or yeah, maybe I made it up too, but is, you know, it's important to dive into the waters of fears. You know, you dive in, explore them. And also with emotions, you know, dive into your emotions and explore them and then, you know, get out. (laughs) So it's like, you know, if you're feeling anger or, you know, you're really afraid of heights or something or whatever it is, you can use this with emotions or fears. It's important to kind of, yeah, let's use, use anger for a second. Like you, you know, explore the anger. You try to, maybe you feel the anger. Maybe you let it out. Maybe you like scream about something or you, you know, like punch a pillow. <laughs> you know, that's what I tell my four-year-old son. Um, but then it's important as adults, especially to say, okay, I'm not going to live in this angry place. I'm not going to live in this emotional place or this you know, I'm not going to, even whatever fear it is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to obsess about my fear of failure for hours and hours and days and days. I'm going to explore and then I'm going to, um, separate from it as much as I can. So, you know, but first in order to separate from it, I think, you know, we have to explore it first. We have to really Mm -hmm. understand it. Um, where did it come from? This emotion of fear, where, how is it affecting me now? Who did it maybe come from? When did it come from? When does it come up? What am I doing when it comes up? And then um, really process it as much as you can in different ways and then kind of say, all right, now I'm going to choose to um, ask this fear or this emotion that's negative that I don't want to feel anymore to 
to um, step aside or I, it's no, you're no longer serving me. Thank you for what you've done for me in my life. And I'm going to ask that you step aside. I'm going to get out of the pool. I'm going to get out of the pond, whatever it is. I'm going to move out of these waters onto the shore, onto the, you know, the path that, that I choose that I know is right for me. And it's, mm-hmm. it's this fear living in this fear, living in this negative emotion, whatever it is, is not a place that feels good to me. And that's kind of the barometer I will tell people a lot, like if it, you know, it's not like you go around just saying, I want to feel good all the time, because of course we don't, but how do we know if something's right or not? How does it feel? Does it feel good to you? If it does, it's probably because it's right. If it doesn't feel good, it's probably because it's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it were as simple yeah. as that. It's a great distinction. <laughs> yeah, that was really great, and I felt like intuitively inclined to bring that question up because I... A big part of my work on the metaphysical realm is dealing with fear and dealing Mm -hmm. with triggers and traumas and weeding through all that stuff and reprogramming the software of the mind and the body to be able to endure these, these shock zones of fear that come up that pretty much like paralyze people or agitate people. Um, but to know that fear is just a normal emotion, just like any other, and it comes in waves and, and it's not something to be avoided. It's something to be embraced and worked with just like anything else. Yes, um, and fear yeah. can actually be a very healthy tool. Even yeah. anger. Anger can be very useful. Um, yeah. But you have to be able to be the one who can control the fire. If you can't yes. control fire and you're playing with fire, then it's going to burn out of control most likely. Yes. I love those. Uh, I love that analogy. Yeah. That's great. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this work. You know, it's like I think sometimes we – I, I probably fall in this habit too. You know, sometimes we think, as soon as we think, oh, I've kind of captured it, you know, or this is how it works, you know, like then we're like, nope, there's no recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are different strategies that we can try. And some, yeah, there's some, I think there are some things that are universal that kind of tend to work for people, but not, you know, it's like, we're all, we, yes, we do share the common human experience and, and we all, there are, you know, finite amount of emotions we can feel as humans, but I think we also experiencing different things in different ways, at different rates, at different times, and um, and what works for somebody might work differently for me. And so I might try something else. It's it's experimenting, you know, and and trying things out, and and constantly checking back in with ourselves, and um, and giving ourselves permission to just have fun and enjoy life too, you know. But when it's those times, like you said earlier, we were talking when you're feeling stuck, it's like all right something's not working it's time for me to pull out some of my tools quiet mm-hmm. my mind and um you know dive in a little bit to work through this yes yes absolutely mm. well i really really enjoyed this entire conversation really amazing territory that we covered and i know everyone listening to this definitely got a lot out of it and a lot of really great practical tools that they can apply to their life immediately Hmm. so where where can people find more about your work oh thank you yes um my website is soulfulworkconsulting.com and that's you know the really good place to find me i think um i'm on you know all the social media places facebook instagram i think i'm on twitter i do i do some writing on medium and quora um 
and sometimes Elephant Journal. And uh, but yeah, I'm on. I have oh podcast right. I also have a podcast which <laughs> you're going to be on very mm-hmm. soon, uh, Ronnie. Uh, it's called The Courageous Path, and it's where I interview people like you who I find inspiring and who are doing courageous things in their life. Um, and that's on iTunes and SoundCloud. So cool. <laughs> awesome. All right, everyone out there, definitely check out Rachel's work and her. She has tons of amazing articles on her website. Her podcast is awesome and has awesome guests on it. So definitely check all that out. And Rachel, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Mm, thank you so much, Ronnie. It's been a joy and a blessing. Mm, my pleasure.